0: Well, I hope you will stick around to the very, very, very end of our time together here today because we have a special, exciting announcement that you are not going to want to miss. But right now, I start with this question. Have you got your Bible ready? Or get your phone ready if you want to use that to look up your Bible verses today. Here we go. Here's the question. Who is ready to study God's Word today? Okay. Okay, I've talked some people have had really bad weeks like Pat said and we've we've had challenges and this morning we've had technical issues and all kinds of stuff. But everybody just do this just right now. I'm just we're just going to shake it off. Shake it off. Okay. Just just to, so that we can focus right in on what God has for us today. God has something special, I believe, today as we finish up this series called Fallen Heroes. And last week we talked about how how the greatest tragedy of life is not necessarily just when we fall down, but the greatest problem is when we do not get back up. We serve a God of second chances. But today we're going to talk about one of the reasons that sometimes we fall down, because of temptation. What does the Bible have to say about the issue, the topic of temptation. There were three pastors who were fishing. They're out in the lake sitting in a boat, and the fish are not biting, and so they start just chatting and and kind of sharing their hearts and their struggles and being really honest, and they started to confess their sins to each other. And one of the pastors says, you know, guys, I, I have something I have to confess that I, I, money has been tight and I've been struggling and, and I was tempted and I, I didn't stand up to it and I, I cheated on my taxes this year and I feel horrible about it. And what if I get caught and the other, the other guy, the priest says, Well, well, you know, you're not the only one. That fundraiser we were doing for the missions trip, I didn't go on the missions trip. I went to Las Vegas and blew all the money and if the word ever gets out, I'm gonna be in big trouble. I'm gonna lose my job and get run out of town. And the, meanwhile, the other pastor's sitting there very quietly, and he pulls out his phone and starts dialing some numbers. And the, the, the guys look at him and say, what, what, do you not have anything to confess? And he said, guys, I should have spoken up sooner. My big sin is gossip. <laughs> and so we, we all struggle with temptation. But here is what I can tell you today. You do not have to lose that battle. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 13 gives us this amazing secret, this amazing insight about temptation. And so today we're going to dissect the issue and just kind of rip it apart and look at what the Bible says comprehensively about this issue. But I think if you were to find one verse in particular that gives us the the most meat, the most bang for the buck in one verse, it would be this. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 13. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can bear up under it. Now, before we break this down, let's go back and read this out loud together. There is power in the spoken word. So hopefully we'll have this verse memorized by the time we're done today. Here we go. Altogether, 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Now, let's break this down into three questions today. And the first question is this, is it a sin to be tempted? And the answer is, no, it is not a sin to be tempted. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. Sometimes you think, I'm the only one. Nobody knows what it's like to go through what I'm going through. But I'm here to tell you, you are not as unique as you think you are. There are other people in this room who have probably been through some of the exact same kind of things that you have been through. But but here's the good news. While there are other people who have been through even worse than what you've been through and God has brought them through, if he can do it for them, he can do it for you. (laughs) And so listen, would you repeat after me? Everybody say, if God delivered them, Come on, say it good and loud. If God delivered them, them, he can do it for me. me. And that is good news. But the fact is, let's, let's make clear what temptation is and what it is not. Let's try to define the word. Some people think that temptation is the opportunity to do something wrong. But I think it's more than that. Temptation is experiencing a desire. Not just the opportunity, but the desire to do something wrong. And so what's the difference between those? Well, see, sometimes you can have the opportunity, but not the desire. There are some things that tempt this person, but not this person. Let me give you an example. If you were to have on your table a big slice of chocolate cake... It was warm with ooey, gooey fudge icing on it and, and just glistening in the light. And you get up and you walk away to go to the washroom. Let me admit to you, confession, I would be tempted to eat your cake because <laughs> I love chocolate. Now, I also have known a few people in my life I can think of two guys in particular who I've been very close friends with who do not like chocolate. It just does not tempt them at all. In fact, I wonder if there's anybody here today who would admit that chocolate, ah, you could take it or leave it. Would you raise your hand? Look at, look at all these people. It's an epidemic. <laughs> it's a medical condition. <sighs> and so what that means for you is you're, you could see that same chocolate cake, And not even give it a second thought. You're not tempted. You have the opportunity, but not the desire. But listen, even when you have the desire, because we're all tempted by different things, but when you have the desire, that in and of itself is not necessarily sin. And here's why. Because, get this, even Jesus felt tempted. Hebrews chapter 4 Verse 15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, and yet was without sin. Sometimes we get this picture of Jesus as if he never had any struggles, never had any temptations, But that's not the picture that we get in the Bible. In fact, if you look at the story in in Luke chapter 4, where Jesus has been fasting in the desert for 40 days. No food for 40 days. And some of you are already thinking about lunch right now. And so he was hungry. And so the the enemy, Satan, comes and, and tempts him with what? With food. Do you think Jesus had the desire I think he did. I I think that he did because it says that Jesus was tempted in every way. But get this, just because you are tempted does not necessarily mean you have sinned. It's what you do with that temptation. It's what you do with that desire. Now, here's, here's where it gets really confusing. Did not Jesus say in the Sermon on the Mount... That if you even look at a woman with lust in your eyes, that you have already committed adultery in your heart. Jesus says that it's possible to, to sin without actually doing anything in action, but just in your thoughts. And so if that is true, what that means is some of the most common sins in our lives actually happen right here in our minds. And so Jesus said that it is possible to commit adultery with, without ever actually being physically with another person. That In Matthew 5, Jesus also says that it is possible to be guilty of murder without actually taking up a weapon against someone else. Jesus said, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother or sister is already under judgment. See, here's the difference. Let, let's, let's talk about this for a minute. Here's the difference, I think. Sin is not just a momentary thought. The problem is when you dwell on it, when you act it through in your mind, when you hold on to it. And so let's say that you're at work and somebody does something and they're always doing this thing and it always is messing things up at work and you're just, you're just sick and tired of it and you, and you get angry and you... And you say, God, what do you want me to do about this? And the Holy Spirit says, do you know what? I'm going to take care of it. Don't worry about defending yourself. Just be faithful and kind and generous and love your enemy. You have not sinned. But, but let's say, for example, God's trying to say that to you in a given circumstance maybe. And... and and you don't want to listen, and you say, "God, I, I deserve to be angry right now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, am I'm gonna get them if I ever get the chance." And it, you think through all the, the mean things that you could say about this person, and ways that you could go go behind their back and try to hurt them. And and I think in your mind, you are sinning. Now, what's the difference? Where do you draw the line? Where do you draw the line between? a tempting thought and actual sinful thoughts. Where where is the line? I wish I could tell you exactly where that line is drawn. Only God knows. But here's what I can tell you. I think there is an element of duration. I think there is an element of intent. How long do you let it roll around in your mind before you reject it? I love, love, love this quote from Martin Luther. Martin Luther said, you cannot stop a bird from flying through the air, but you can stop that bird from nesting in your hair. Not that I would know anything about the hair part, but I don't have that problem. But but he says, you can't stop a bird from flying through the air over your head, but you can stop that bird from nesting in your hair. Here's what that means. You cannot stop a thought from passing through your mind. That's not your fault. But you can stop that thought from making a home there. Are, are you with me? Is this making sense? So listen, when you are tempted, you need to consciously reject it and give it to God. And the sooner you reject that thought and ask God to cleanse you, the sooner it will lose its power over you. Question number two, is this true of every temptation? Or is it possible that there are some temptations that just cannot be resisted like chocolate cake? Okay, here's the answer to that question. No sin is irresistible. Not just because I say so. This is, not, this is not Joel's teaching. This is what the Bible says. Many people get the idea that once you feel tempted, that then it is beyond your control. I just couldn't help myself. It's not my fault. But the Bible says, while temptation may be inevitable, it is never irresistible. And here's how we know. Because here in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, it says, He is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Would you say that out loud with me? Everybody say, God will not let me be tempted beyond what I can bear. That's what the Bible says, that God has made you stronger, stronger, Then you realize, and even when you are weak, He will give you the strength. Because of the intense storms down in Florida, they have instituted very strict building codes in hurricane areas. And so these codes make it more expensive to build than in other places where they don't have hurricanes. And a lot of builders might be tempted to try to cut corners, You can save some money and and make more profit if if you use inferior materials and try to get things slipped through by inspection. But after Hurricane Andrew hit, there was one particular neighborhood where every house was flattened except for one. It, It was an amazing sight. This one house is standing, and all the rest of the houses have been destroyed. And so a reporter comes to the neighborhood and asks the homeowner, Why do you think you were so lucky that your house is still standing while all the others others are gone? And he said, well, I can't speak for my neighbors, but I can tell you I do not think it was luck. He said, because I went overboard. I went overboard building my house according to the code. I did it all by the book. When it called for the the, the certain materials for the foundation, when it called for certain types of structures for support, when it called for a certain type of nail or a certain type of lumber, I bought the very best to do it exactly according to the code. And after the storm, my house is still standing. And listen, those of you who are followers of Jesus Christ, you do not have to fall When the storms come into your life. If you live according to the code, according to your covenant, with God. If you build your life on the firm foundation of the word of God, with prayer and worship and Bible study and fellowship and serving, if you live out God's love in us to the world, growing in God's love, connecting with others and growing spiritually within the church and small groups, when when you when you serve others in the name of Jesus, when you live like that, what you will find is that temptation begins to have less power in your life than it used to have. That is good news. Now, so with that, one of the greatest things that you learn when you start living like that is that the greatest way to resist temptation is by not putting yourself in the position to be tempted. It's kind of simple, isn't it? Sometimes. Now, sometimes it's more complicated than that, I know. But the fact is, we all have our triggers. And what triggers you might be different than what triggers me. We all have those, those places or, or certain people or situations where we get tempted. I am in a position where I often have to travel for ministry. Sometimes I'm invited to go and speak somewhere or to go and be part of a meeting. And so many times I end up staying in a hotel room by myself. And most of those hotels have movie channels, you know, like HBO and Showtime and Cinemax. And do you know what those movie channels show late at night? Pornography. No other way to say it, just straight out. Pornography. Do you know what I do when I check into those hotel rooms? And I've given this tip to other men who have to travel for work, and they say that this has been very helpful for them. Here's what I do. When I check into a hotel room, before I turn on the TV, I look, and on the nightstand, there is always a little card with all the channels on it, right? The channel guide. And I, and I figure out exactly where those movie channels are, HBO and Showtime, and I want to know where the pornography is, not so I can watch it, but so I can avoid it. And so I get that TV guide so I can punch in the channels that I want to see, like CBC News or the History Channel, or, or, because if I just go flipping through the channels, I might put myself in a situation where I would be unnecessarily tempted. And it's easy to avoid if you just take some steps. Let me ask you, what is is your trigger? For some, it's maybe when you get out of the habit of going to church and you become spiritually weak. For others, maybe it is when, uh, when you drink too much alcohol and it weakens your decision-making. For some, it's maybe a particular person. Whenever you are around this person, you make bad choices. They're your trigger. Maybe it is, is, it, it's looking for stuff and shopping online to buy stuff that you don't need, that temptation. Whatever it is for you where you keep getting in trouble. Here, here's, here's a tip. How about trying to stay away from some of those things? Because the best way to not get burned is to stop playing with fire. Amen? It's. Yeah, I I think I've said enough. Okay, the good news is number three, God will help you overcome. When you are struggling and you feel helpless and alone and vulnerable like no one else can help you, listen, God has promised that you do not have to fight alone. The last line of our verse in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it says, But when you are tempted, God will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. What does it say that God will provide? It says God will provide a Way out. Say it with me. God will provide a way out. That, that word in, in the Greek, you know, the, the New Testament is written in Greek. The word here for way out is ekbasis. It means a way of clearance or successful endurance, a, a means of escape. And so the picture this gives me is imagine here you are, you're surrounded The odds are against you. It seems like there is no hope. There is no way out when all of a sudden God provides an escape hatch. Maybe the phone rings or you receive a text or maybe the spirit speaks to you or some distraction arises. God will always provide a way out if you are looking for it and if you will go Through it. And so, if that is true, that God always provides a way out, then why do we sometimes fall? And I think the problem is I think sometimes we are so busy staring at temptation that we fail to look for the way out that God has provided. And so, when you are tempted, God provides a way out. Look for it. Pray for it. Open your eyes. Listen with your ears for the escape hatch that God provides. Now, a couple of more verses that are really, really helpful, and this one, I think, really sums up what we were talking about, the difference between the desire, the the temptation, and actual sin. James chapter 1, verse 15 says, then after desire has conceived it gives birth to sin. Okay, let's say that together. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. Now this is a birthing metaphor. I am not going to act it out for you. (laughs) But I think what this is saying is that there is a window. There is a window of of, of opportunity from when the moment that a a, a temptation When a desire is first conceived, there's a window of opportunity before it actually gives birth to sin. And so that means when it first comes to your mind, when it is first conceived, that is when you need to turn to God and say, Father, I give this to you. I am not strong enough to handle this on my own, but I know that you will help me. You will provide a way out. And so I want to give you one word, one word that will be so very helpful for you in this. It's a really complicated word, okay? Are you ready? The, the best word when it comes to temptation is this. Here we go. The word is, the word is, the word is, do we have the word? We, can you tell this morning our technology has been locking up, unfortunately? We need to pray because uh, that, 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 that was what was happening during the songs before we've been having trouble with that computer this morning. Well, let me tell you what the word is. It's going to show up here on the screen as soon as, right before, as soon as I say it. Here we go. The word is. Was it there? It starts with an R. The next letter is U. It finishes with an N. The word is run. When faced with temptation, run for your life. Hey, there it is. I think they type that in manually. We've got the best tech people. Thank you for working through that. Run! run! Do you know the story in the Old Testament of Joseph and Potiphar's wife? Potiphar's wife comes in and tries to seduce Joseph and get him in trouble. And what does it say Joseph does? What does he do? He runs. When faced with temptation, run for your life. Let's say it. When faced with temptation, run for your life but what happens when you do fall? What happens when you do mess up? When, what about when you lose the battle? 1 John chapter 2, verse 1 and 2 says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Isn't that good news? It means that if you do trip and fall, if you do mess up, no matter what you have done, that we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. That is our good news for today. Let's stand together. You know, after every service, we have a prayer team that's down front that is available to pray for your needs. And so I want to let you know, if you have someone who you need to join you in prayer, at the end of the service, in a little while, you're going to have that opportunity. But right now, I want to ask if I could pray for you. And if right now, just a moment between you and God, would you close your eyes and just listen to the voice of God? Is He speaking to you about anything that we've talked about today? Is there maybe something that has held on to you for a long, long time? And as we said, maybe it's something even in your mind, a thought pattern, a habit that nobody else even knows about. It's a secret, but God knows. Right now, will you just confess to him? We tell him, God, I need your help. I need your provision. I need you to rescue me. And I confess my sin. If you're here today and you've never surrendered to Christ, you've, you've never sought his forgiveness, you've never given your life to Jesus, today could be your day. Just right now tell him, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me. He died so that I can be rescued and set free from my sin. And I receive that forgiveness. Wash me clean. Make me new. Give me a brand new start. As I surrender my life to you today. that you would be lifted up in my life, that you would be glorified, that people would look at me and see the holiness and the beauty in the way that I live and not say, oh, they are such a good person, but that they would look and say, oh, they serve such a good God. A God who could rescue us from our sin, who could set us free, who could help us to live a life that is no longer bound by those chains. We know that you can do it because we've seen you do it again and again and again and again in people's lives. And so we surrender to you, and as we sing this song of worship, we adore you, we praise you, we lift you high in the name of Jesus. And everybody say, amen.